I'm Chris Dutchko, co-host of the Ninth Grade Experience Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of My EdTech Life. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful evening, hopefully anywhere in the world that you may be. It was a beautiful day. It may be already Wednesday or it may be well into the evening or early hours, I should say. But wherever in the world that you are, thank you so much for making my EdTech life a part of your day. And I am really excited to have an amazing guest today. We're definitely going to be talking about some great stuff. As you all know, AI is the conversation piece that all educators have been talking about and not just in the education space, but definitely in the business space. And I was able to find this amazing guest just, you know, connecting on LinkedIn, seeing some of the work that he's doing. And I'm just excited to invite this evening, Mr. Brandon Lambert to the show. Brandon, how are you this evening? Thank you so much, Fonz. It's it's a pleasure to be here. I'm I'm doing well. I'm out here in Mountain View, California and, and really excited to be joining you and can't wait to start talking about AI and what I've been working on and why I'm working on it and all that good stuff. Excellent. Well, I'm excited too, because like I mentioned, um, really the reason that we connected is, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn and obviously I follow just AI a lot because that's the hot topic. And as an educator, I definitely want to make sure that I'm well-equipped or at least well-versed enough to be able to explain this to my teachers. And of course, seeing how this can affect our roles as educators in the future. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm scrolling through LinkedIn and I just see these amazing, amazing pictures that have such depth and they just look like amazing, like really professionally done. And then here I see, you know, how you, uh, in the comments, how you created these pictures. And so believe it or not, I, I did take some of those prompts that you used and those suggestions and kind of tweaked them myself yep. and was able to use a couple of tools to try and see if I can replicate or get some results. And of course, I didn't get results as good as yours because I wasn't using uh, MidJourney at the time. But some of the results that I did get, I was like, wow, this, this is amazing. The technology is amazing. But the input has to be just right. And the input has to be just very well written and, dis and very descriptive to get that. And of course, I made that connection and here you are today. And that's the exciting part about social media and connecting and obviously loving ed tech like you and I do. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so glad that you were able to play around with that. I know that, um, you know, not everybody's able to, to play around with MidJourney right now, but the the output out of MidJourney is is pretty, pretty incredible. And there are other models that are, that are able to produce incredible things as well. Um, and, and yeah, and, and it's more accessible, you know, than, than people as you're experiencing, like more accessible than it's ever been before. And, and that's, yeah, excited to talk more about that too. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and dive right in, Brandon, before we get into the meat of the matter and all that great stuff, uh, as you know, and if you're from part of the show is definitely one of my favorites too, as well. And for all our guests, because as you know, I, I tell everybody, if you are a guest on the Maya Tech Life podcast, it's because I've seen your work. I love what you're doing. And you're kind of like, wow, like that, it's like that superhero, like, oh, my gosh, Brandon is here. And as we know, every superhero has an origin story. So I would love to hear your origin story because I know for a fact, uh, you know, looking at your bio, you are a fourth generation educator. So tell us a little bit about how your, I guess, your passion for education came about as we know the education runs in your family. And then just take us a little bit through your journey there. Sure. Well, I, you know, as you pointed out, Fonz, I mean, it really does start with family for me. Um, my, you know, if we're going back to the, the fourth generation there, my great grandmother was sort of a community and, and church educator in, in North Texas and, and family educator at the time when they were running a farm and, and living on farms and, and one room schoolhouses. And, and then my, my grandmother began teaching in a one-room schoolhouse and, and then subsequently taught kindergarten for, oh, over, over 40 years, I think. And then in, later in her life taught, taught ESL a little bit. And then my mother was a social education teacher and then a third grade teacher um, after she had a career in, in education administration a little bit. And then I sort of uh, have 
have worked more in the adult space and and have have worked across uh, you know higher ed and and corporate training, but also have done a little bit. Luckily, I'm connecting with the family history a little bit with with early learners as well. So so really like the perspective that I grew up with, you know, in terms of of when we we talk about that like home and and community education perspective, where where everything is a learning opportunity and and everything is learning, like learning doesn't just happen at school. I think that that idea in my head was started with some of that. And then um, with my grandmother being a, a, almost a lifetime kindergarten teacher, I really think those values and principles of early childhood education of, of sort of exploration and experimentation, I think that really shaped probably, you know, how I, how I saw learning. Um, and, you know, I, so because of that, you know, I think I had a really experiential childhood. My, you know, I actually began life with a speech fillet. I didn't speak till Till after I was three, that my family put me in sign language. They were told my parents I might not be able to to verbalize. And then eventually, apparently, I wasn't fond of sign language. The story goes, and I began laying in my bed and and practicing things and and began to to, to verbalize. Um, and again, the joke goes that I haven't really stopped since. So, um, but but uh, yeah. So so I began life that way, and and I think because of that, maybe. But my my grandmother and my mother really facilitated just a huge amount of of experimentation and exploration of the world. You know, whether that was through, you know, I was able to spend a lot of time with them, you know, and, and the number of, I was a, you know, lots of photographs to document the, the amount of sort of outdoor exploration and indoor exploration of the world through museums and parks and things like that. But I think really started that, that love of just learning and, and, and everywhere. Um, and then, you know, I was really lucky to have a really experiential education. So not only that experiential childhood, but then, you know, I, I participated in community theater. And, and regional theater productions throughout most of my my childhood, and you know all of that to me was learning, but was not in a classroom and didn't have a textbook and all of that good stuff too. Um, you know, then in high school did all of those, you know, kind of between theater and the pre law stuff. So I did youth court, debate, all of these sort of experience. I, I was heavy into that type of life, and um, then through college, you know, continued that type of thing through Greek life and campus political life and. Um, things like that and study abroad. So yeah, I mean, study abroad probably should, should be expanded a little bit. I mean, in terms of really cementing that experiential side of me and, and then later as I became an educator, that obviously I think has shaped all of that previous stuff and that, that study abroad experience has really shaped how I view, you know, learning. And then, you know, and then when I, uh, graduated college, so my senior year of college, this is sort of a, a personal story, but it, it really affects my career trajectory. So my senior year of college, my mom, um, who was the third grade teacher, she was diagnosed with, with cancer and, and I was, um, she, I was an only child and, and it, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And so I was set to go to grad school, actually to, uh, in physical theater. I got into a grad school, was going to pursue an arts career, came back to the U S and life kind of shifted for me. Right. Um, after a few years of exploration dabbling a little bit, like we talked about, I, you know, ended up going to graduate school, um, and Monterey at the Monterey Institute of International Studies. And really, you know, that is where my teaching life sort of really began to formalize a little bit. So throughout, you know, my, my college career, I wasn't planning on teaching throughout my, you know, none of that was, was planned in terms of going into education, but at the end of the day, it was the most natural thing for me. So, you know, I, I, uh, you know, now, I mean, I, I've been talking for a while, but um, yeah, I, I think after that, I, I started this career in English for specific purposes, right? So what that means is I, I've worked with diplomats and, and journalists, you know, uh, biomedical researchers. And one of the things that might be interesting for, for folks about is that I, I almost hesitate saying this sometimes because I, I know that I've been so privileged, but because of the nature of the work that I did in language teaching and, and in the context that I worked in, I've almost always created my own learning experience. There, there are very few times where I've been given resources and been told to, to teach that. Most of my career, I've developed almost from scratch most of the materials that I've used. And that has both been a very different and, and positive thing for my development as an educator and creator and all that kind of stuff. But I recognize, you know, that a lot of my experiences are shaped by the fact that I have that, that luxury as an educator, right? Um, and when my mother was teaching and, and my grandmother was teaching, you know, in primary education, a, a lot of control earlier, you know, back in the day, a lot of, a lot of content creation went into the work that I saw my, my family do. Right. And so anyway, that's that I'll, I'll leave it there for now. I mean, that's it. 
I've got into my career of teaching and, and, and then, you know, later moved into some other stuff. Yeah, that's great. I mean, seriously, great story and great background. And I thank you so much for sharing that far back. And, and just to know, because again, one of the most important things for me here is I just definitely want to make sure that all our audience members, listeners, even people that are going to be rewatching later, just make that connection with our guests. And of course, you know, that's a wonderful um, experience that you shared. But I do want to talk a little bit more about your experience because, um, you know, in the classroom, I'm not sure uh, if I missed it, but uh, what what is it that you were teaching while you were still yeah. in the classroom? Yeah, so I so when I got my graduate degree, I got my degree in, in TESOL, so teaching English to speakers of other languages, so ESL. Um, and and because of the context that I worked in, language was the, you know, the on-book sort of content that I was working with and the objectives and the, the, you know, the goals of the learners. But because of the specialized context, in reality, you know, I mean, I, I spent as much time counseling people through difficult communication scenarios as I did talking about grammar and, and maybe more on the other side, right? When an adult is, is, is in a language course or in a language program, especially a custom one, you know, if they're a diplomat, if they're a designer, if they're, you know, like we're, we're solving problems. So, you know, so much of my work was project-based and then also, um, you know, problems, communication, problem solving. But yeah, I was a professor of ESL at, at, at Savannah College of Art and Design for two years. Um, and so that is sort of my, you know, subject area on paper, but, you know, in the classroom, I think practically I did a lot more sort of communication skills and strategic communication and intercultural communication and things like that. Wow. Well, that's great. Thank you for sharing that because as we know, you know, now that we hop on into this next piece that we're going to be talking about today, which is next gen automation and artificial intelligence, definitely communication is key. And and I talk that uh, from the or come from the perspective of uh, just uh, playing, experimenting with the AI, and obviously communication as far as prompts and being you know very clear in your prompts. And that's a skill. Like that means hearing. Every day when I see Glassdoor or, you know, jobs that are posted up, like prompt engineers, um, you know, companies that are, hey, we're building AI, but we need somebody that can come and tell it exactly what we need for it to, uh, you know, have a, as far as output and so on. So we're seeing, you know, jobs that would never existed be created right now. And of course, you know, I want to talk a little bit there because it's a nice segue from you going into what you were doing from, you know, teaching and now being an entrepreneur yeah. in this space of sorts. So tell us a little bit about that story and that transition, how you went from, you know, being a professor and then, of course, being in the classroom and now uh, being an entrepreneur and having your own company partner at tech. So tell us a little bit about that journey, too, as well. Yeah. So, you know, that there was there's one kind of step in between there. So, you know, when I, I, I moved back from California after I was teaching in Savannah. And I uh, did some consulting. I did some language coaching in Silicon Valley. And then I ended up um, finding a job at, uh, at VIP Kid, which is a global um, language company that um, at the time was, was uh, you know, facilitating teaching between uh, teachers in the United States and learners in China, primarily young learners. And I got a job as a curriculum developer there. And for two years, you know, while I was living in Silicon Valley, um, after I had been doing some of some of this coaching stuff, it really just sort of jumped into the ed tech sort of, you know, scene a little bit with this curriculum development role, and then eventually ended up doing, doing some research and helping them work on a white paper. And, and so when, when regulations changed and the world shifted in, in China and, 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 um, the industry moved around a little bit, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, uh, I, I was sort of left thinking about what to do next and. My mother's dealing with some health problems now, so I'm handling that. And it was an opportunity to also explore, explore some of these, you know, entrepreneurial sides of myself and think about how to apply what I had seen, you know, in, in these sort of seemingly maybe random or disconnected worlds. But, but ultimately I had been seeing some patterns and some things that I wanted to, to bring out to the world. So, you know, it, it's been a year of exploration and I, I initially sort of really wanted to bring technology to, to partnership teams. And I, I fully believe that, that we're at a consolidation moment and, and it's very important that we find ways of bringing people together so that we avoid redundant work and redundant, you know, um, competition and, and, uh, you know, uh, unhelpful competition ultimately in, in some ways, um, I think, and, and bring people together. So partnership is really important to me. 
moved around, it saw that, you know, maybe some opportunities. I worked with a, a CEO for a short period of time to explore his ecosystem strategy at a slightly higher level. So not just sort of technology by him, but then sort of at the strategy level. And then ChatGPT dropped. And I've been dabbling with all of these things for a long time. And the moment shifted so dramatically and the attention shifted so dramatically in that area. And, you know, one of the things about being able, you know, being an entrepreneur is, is being able to shift very quickly, right? So um, I was able to say, okay, I, I actually see a greater opportunity here. And I've been dabbling with these things for a long time. And I think we're now at this moment where, yeah, in many cases, we've been able to do some of these things for six months or even a year or or some things we've been able to do for a number of years now, but it, all of the pieces are coming together, right? When we think about like modalities, like it's not just the text-based stuff, it's the audio stuff and the visual stuff and the text-based stuff are all good enough now, right? It's, it's maybe one of them was good enough six months ago, one of them was good enough, you know, and, and now we're meeting this moment where, where things are coming together. So I just feel very compelled to, to pivot again um, and, and yeah, and, and really just try and say, okay, hey, I've been dabbling with these things for a long time. I've worked across a lot of these contexts and I, I feel like there are some tools that, you know, people may not feel like they're, you know, one thing I want to talk about was, you know, ChatGP is great. I, you talked about, you know, or you talked about ChatGP on, Chat on the show. And what's so interesting to me is that like, it is only one product, right? And, and when I first tried it, I was like, I, it was, it was amazing. I, I, I knew exactly how I could use it for the simple tasks that I knew I could use it for. But funny enough, like prior to that, I had been playing around in Python with the models as well, right? With the DaVinci models and being able to just use the API to call it with Python, with code that I was able to generate with ChatGPT and then throw into Python and, and, and make it happen without a lot of coding experience myself. And so one of the things I'm so excited about bringing to people is like, building the application layer instead of like buying the application layer, right? So I think one of the huge opportunities for teachers and for educators and for administrators and for learners is, is again, like, yeah, there are going to be some products that we're not going to be able to compete with, you know, like Duolingo has been investing in AI technology around language learning for long enough where, where that's fine, right? Like we don't need to build our own language learning platform per se, right? That's not what I'm saying. It's more that a lot of these smaller, like I saw a lot of lesson plan generators pop up, right? That's great. And I, it's really cool that people are, are finding ways to apply that. I just, I want to encourage everybody, like you can go into bubble and connect to the OpenAI API and within an hour or two build something with a prompt that is custom to your context, right? So, you know, like in many ways, some of those things that especially the ones that first popped up, they're growing and they're developing their products for sure. But like some of the first ones, were literally something that someone could have built. And I'm not calling anybody. I just, I just wanted people to like, it is so cool that like, we're so conditioned to have to like go to somebody for this product. We're so conditioned as educators. We need to go to publishers. We need to go to the book fair. We need to go to the, the conference so we can talk to these vendors so we can find the right resources for our learners, right? And the gap in ed tech for so long has been how do we connect the vendors and the product developers and the teachers? Well, we don't, I mean, like for some things we will have to, and we will continue to do that and we should, but there are some things where we don't need, I don't think to go there anymore. You know, like if the, the if, if we're encouraging teachers to learn how to build no code apps on bubble, as we're encouraging business professionals to build no code automations and no code apps in these other contexts, you know, I, I think we could see some real, I mean, that's where it's really exciting for me. Cause that's the, that's where the agency begins that you feel. Teachers will love building that. Learners will love building that. We'll see creative. I mean, anyway, I could go on, but yeah, that's what I'm really excited about bringing to folks. No, and, and you hit on some many great points and especially that last piece, the creativity for myself is just the potential of really creating. And like you said, taking that ownership, being, uh, you know, in a classroom and teachers not being afraid of the ed tech tool. But as a matter of fact, just sometimes, you know, myself working in my district, we, there's certain platforms that we use. There's some teachers that say, nah, I really don't like this one. I like this one better and mm -hmm. so on. But I, in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, if, if a teacher can say, hey, you know what, with no code, yeah. this is kind of what I need. And this is the type of platform that I need, or this is what I need for it to do. Then, wow, I can go ahead and build it and I can go ahead and use it in my classroom. Yeah. And to me, that just blows my mind that now we have that agency, we can do it ourselves. 
And then not only that, but even with our students to be able to experiment. And I know for at least for a lot of districts, uh, all of this is something that is very scary because just like yesterday I was talking to, uh, I had a wonderful guest, uh, Lena Marie, uh, she was on and she said, you know, a lot of the fear is that the AI now is front facing. In other words, teachers, people, we never saw the AI. We, we didn't think that, you know, uh, this was happening when, you know, several of our education platforms, you know, give a student a quiz, kind of set them on a pathway and then just kind of move the student back and forth as needed to fix those skills. But now the AI is like right here, right in front of our faces. And it was just that instant fear that we saw. But like you said, ways of leveraging this are amazing and the potential is there. And right now, I know currently you said you do a lot of work uh, through your company too and making those connections. So uh, tell us a little bit about Partner EdTech and the unique way that it works to help next-gen yeah, educators so, and admins. Yeah, so so one of the things that, that I'm working on, and, and I, I, I forgot to, to check with you ahead, but I, I want to offer a few of your the, the viewers to an opportunity to, to to work with me a little bit for free because I'm really excited about bringing some of this stuff to folks um, and we can talk about that at the end but you know basically what I want to do is is I'm I'm offering folks the opportunity to not only sort of skip a little bit through services that allow you to you know tell me a little bit about what you want and and avoid a little bit of that learning curve first to build some custom low-code apps for your classroom. Um, and, and when I talk about your classroom, again, when I step back to the beginning of our conversation, for me, a classroom is everywhere. So you'll see on my site, like I, I'm kind of, most folks would say it's crazy to have all of these, these um, you know, what do I, I call them? Um, all, all of these solution areas, right? So, you know, saying that I can, you know, help primary educators, secondary educators, program administrators, families, adult educators, speech language pathologists, like where do I get off saying that, right? Well. One of the, the amazing things about these tools and technologies is that they're about processes, which as I've worked across all of these different, you know, fields of education and levels of education, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that specialization has kind of allowed us to get some blinders on about the similarity between the way that we operate in teaching and learning across levels and across context. I mean, there is no doubt that we opt that there's a variety of ways to operate, but I I firmly believe having worked across, you know, you know, a good range of, of contexts that, you know, the differences we make between teaching kindergarten and freshman, you know, in college is, is perhaps overblown to me. You know, I've, 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 you know, pr supported, uh, you know, content for, for kindergartners and I've, I've taught college freshmen and, you know, the principles and the processes at play in designing learning for those two groups, you know, if, if you take an experiential approach, especially is not that different. And so, you know, for me, I want to bring that process. So one thing I offer is that skipping the steps. So the services. So, you know, you want to build something, come to me, let's talk about it. Let's see it. You know, you've heard some things, you, you know, you have an idea, let's build it. You know, you've heard that you can automate, maybe they've heard the Zapier thing. Okay. Come to, let, let's talk about it. Right. The other thing is to coach folks through the process of building these things themselves. So let's say you want to be able to, you know, to maybe get get a you know get a sense of what you could build, I'll help you build it, and then you say well, you really want to build this yourself, right? It, it's not that hard. I'll show you. It's not that hard. My goal is to not have to do this. I don't want this business to last a long time, right? Like, I mean, it's one of those moment moment businesses, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I want to help get people to the point where they're comfortable enough using these technologies to build things themselves. You know, they, there will be other things that I I will be interested in in helping and, and moving forward later. Right now, like I feel like there's this moment where, like you mentioned, there's this little bit of fear. And I've talked to a couple of folks where it's like, if we build it ourselves, this is where we, we can eliminate some of that existential fear. We can, we can calm ourselves because we are in much more control. You know, I think we've lost, we've lost so much. I mean, and, and loss is maybe the right word. It's just is what it is to an extent. But there is this, this moment where we can, we can do a little bit more. So anyway. I might have gone a little bit off there. So, so yeah, so in terms of the business, look, yeah, providing the services directly in terms of um, doing some uh, simple uh, no-code app development and then also offering uh, the uh, Zapier automation services. So, for example, I built the other day, I have a spreadsheet in Airtable and, you know, you throw in some columns for 
you know, uh, for word and definition and sample sentence and whatever, you build the automation in Zapier with the OpenAI API and you type the word in the spreadsheet and the app runs every 15 minutes or however you set it and it will auto-complete in that spreadsheet. So for example, in a tutoring context, you can have your, you know, this is something I did all the time in one-on-one -on -one context. I would be Googling, looking stuff up, you know, finding content for learners as we're going through stuff, right? Now you automate a little bit of that. So you can just type the word in and, and this content almost, and you can even send it to an app called Banner Bear, where you put it into a PDF, right? And so directly in Airtable, you'll be able to type the word and then get all of that in text. And then the actual PDF of a, of a document that a learner could walk away, right? And so that's the, that's the Zapier kind of, you know, automation side of things where you're automating the content creation. Let's say you're, you know, a program administrator uh, with announcements about particular programs or course descriptions or whatever that might be, or you're an early child or SLPs. I think uh, speech language pathologists, you know, I, I've always, I've respected um, a speech language pathologists in terms of, you know, the, the amount of tools and resources that they, they tend to leverage. Um, and their training. And so I, I think this is, they create so much already, right? It's, it's for those, you know, there, it's unfortunate. There are not as many teachers who've had the ability to do this for a while, right? I mean, in the K-12 system, I remember when, toward the end of my mom's time in the classroom, content creation of individual educators wasn't encouraged a ton, right? And, and I know, you know, of course, and I, I haven't been in the K-12 classroom um, a, a lot, but I, I certainly, you know, it, it sounds like anecdotally that's still, that's still the case. And so now this moment where we can move, we can move a little forward. So anyway, that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to, to help. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. Like the, the automation piece, I can see so many tasks being able to take care of, being taken care of. And that was one of the uh, comments that Amanda here, thank you so much for joining us. Amanda Macias is always says a lot of road administrative tasks can be eliminated with AI technology, saving time so they can be more intentional with their learners, learning time. So obviously, you know, one of the biggest things has always been time, teacher yeah. time. We never have enough time. And so a lot of these uh, tools now, you know, automating certain tasks, like you mentioned, can definitely save those teachers time. And even, uh, you know, in the last six years, you know, working for the district and the platforms that we get, I'm trying to always find ways to really even use it or maximize that platform. And my goal is to always give teachers back that time. And I say, this time that I want to give you back is not necessarily for you to be able to do more work. It's just that time for you to just decompress and take a sigh of relief and just be good at the end of the day saying, hey, I'm ready to go. But now, like what you're speaking about, um, you know, these automations, that's definitely something that can is is worth so much in the education space. But like you said, you know, it's that fear and we can lose that fear by showing how much we can control as we build things for us, you know, to automate certain tasks and yeah. give us back that time. So that's definitely something that is exciting. So Brandon, let me ask you, uh, what do, what does the future of teaching and learning look like to you, especially in light of all that we're seeing, uh, you know, with AI right now? Yeah. So, you know, I think I wrote a couple, I'm just looking at my notes here real quick. Yeah. I mean, so I hope, so I, I guess I have a hopeful version and I have a, a slightly more pessimistic, uh, you know, version of, of things or maybe not pessimistic, but a, a different version of things. So my hopeful version is that, as I said, we see a generation and I think that, you know, platforms like, um, you know, a lot of the online teaching platforms where we're seeing online teachers, you know, become their own, develop their own culture and develop their own, you know, patterns of I'm hopeful that we begin to see this creator era of, of teaching again. You know, again, I've, I told you that I'm a little biased. I grew up with early childhood educators that did a lot of creating. And for me and in my life and my experience, I've found that, that, you know, educators, you know, professors or teachers who are involved in the creation of their content, you know, tend to be more excited about the little delivery of their content and be more engaged in the delivery of their content and, and learners tend to, you know, respond to that. Right. And so I hope that there's this creator era of, of, of education, where we begin to see a little bit of emancipation from maybe some of the things that maybe were, 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 were implemented for good reason, you know, or not, but, but seeing some of this, this, this trend toward creator. 
on top of what you mentioned with TikTok, we were chatting anecdotally, like with all of these social platforms and the creator culture developing on its own. I hope that some of that, you know, rubs off on, on the system of teaching. Um, I, I, I really think that like with, when it comes to AI, the data, the, the relationship between data awareness and action is so, you know, this is why data is so important, you know, for, for what we do and why building your own applications to be able to collect data. And of course we need to do all of this within the context. So if you're a K-12 educator and you're with, you know, you need to make sure that these sorts of things are, 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 you know, are, are legal within the context of, of, you know, privacy and all those sorts of things. But, you know, when we're able to collect some of that more data and see some of that, even companies like TeachFX who provide a platform that analyzes uh, classroom, uh, you know, content and, you know, identifies, uh, you know, talk time per student and all this type of stuff, that data, you know, powered by an AI, you know, tool is what is going to allow that creator thing to come back. Because in the past, and, you know, I mean, even in my, like the role of summative assessments in general, in a lot of programs means that, that we don't, we haven't had the data that we really need all the time. Right. And, and, and we can talk about assessment for a long time, I'm sure. But, but I mean, really like in order to create, you need data. So what, one of the things I had mentioned is I, I conducted an, uh, you know, I went to a grad school that encouraged research and classroom research. So I always conducted, and because we talked about like my contexts were always these customized, you know, specialized contexts. I always did research as part of my teaching practice. There was never a time that I didn't sort of ask questions or conduct surveys or do that because in order to create content, I have to ask those questions, right? Like in order to develop a unit like myself, I have to get information, right? And the more data that we, and the reason, I mean, again, teachers aren't given in many contexts, whether it's higher ed or K-12, we aren't given a lot of tools or technology to this point, to, you know, actionable data, you know, about what a student said in class. I mean, TeachFX is an incredible platform um, and, other, and, and other platforms, you know, that are, that are allowing teachers to, to leverage data, not in, a, not in an assessment way, not in a way to, to, to sort of, you know, put a numerical on anything, but really just to inform what we do, right? And so I hope that, so I, to answer your question, so my hopeful version is, is that creator plus more data for the, the one supporting learning, right? Directly in the moment and, and, and ownership of that to an extent, um, or at least, you know, visibility of that day of what we're doing in the classroom. Right? I think, I think that that's my hopeful version. I love it. You know, just creativity is something that's so big and I'm all about amplifying creativity and you're absolutely right. You know, I have seen education, you know, go from more of that create creative approach is teachers. And don't get me wrong. There are some teachers out there that are great at yeah, creating, yeah. but for the most part, it's always just give me what the curriculum is and I'm just going to go straight through it and not thinking about, you know, creating yeah. anything else. And it could be definitely lack of time or maybe lack of resources and so on. Or sometimes it's just like, Hey, you got to go, 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 because you got to be done with this curriculum by the time the state test comes because then right. we've got reviews and then we've got all of this stuff and then there's no time to do that because that's the main focus but i mean you know being able to provide that creative space not only for the teacher and, and the student that's something that to me is something very important and i highly highly advocate for that and so i think that's one of the biggest challenges too is just really see you know are we updating our our standards our curriculum to the change that we're seeing now. Now that we're seeing all of this, there definitely needs to be a talk and say, hey, what else can we do to change along with the changing times? Because if we get stuck doing what we continue to do, I mean, it's going to be very hard to keep up and more than anything, help our students uh, be aware of these tools, be able to navigate these tools, because they're definitely going to be seeing it as the years come. And when they go into higher ed and of course in the workforce let's not deny that i mean you're gonna we're as we speak jobs are being created because of the ai so it's not like it's gonna take away some jobs it's gonna take away some tasks but then there's gonna be some new jobs that are gonna be created too as well to be able to yeah. manage or to be able to again uh, write prompts for specific outputs and so on so that's definitely something that we're gonna be seeing so 
As far as um, your company, I know you mentioned what it is that you're willing to do. And of course, yeah. uh, you know, me, maybe even providing some educators with, yeah. uh, you know, just some resources to be able to get started. So yeah. tell us a little bit about maybe that idea and that plan, you know, as far as helping out the educators. I know you touched on it a little bit, but at yeah. least maybe those yeah. that can so get in contact with you or. Yeah, for sure. So, so let's do this. I, I planned on, you know, if, if five folks, you know, I, the first five folks to reach out to, to, to me or, or, you know, just send me an email and say you're interested in, in working with me. Um, and Fonzis extends to you. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Let's, let's do it. I'd love to, I, I, I wanted to try and do it before the show so we could talk about it, but, um, that's all right. We can do it after. And, um, yeah, basically, um, you know, let's, let's talk. I, I think my plan was to, I have this sort of like, um, credit system a little bit to try and, and help us understand, you know, how much, you know, effort and, and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, let's say that, that 500 credits, you know, that, so, so we can work on, on a, either an app, work on, you know, a simple no code app, get you something like that, set up an automation or maybe a couple of small automations. Um, and, and I'm willing to help out, um, with that for, for five folks. So, so send an email to me and let me know, um, what, what you're interested in working on and, uh, and I'll get in touch and we'll get started. Awesome. Well, Amanda, Amanda's here. I know Amanda, please make sure you jump on it and make sure that you get, uh, the info, uh, you know, from, uh, the show notes and everything. And, Whoever else will definitely make sure that we extend it to those five people. But I really appreciate that. What I would love to do too, Brandon, is right now at this time, because I do have your website open. And just as people will go and visit your website, I definitely do want to share here. Um, and you can kind of give us a walkthrough as I'll kind of just control it here. But just let us know. So here's your website. And I know you've got the learn more, but the services here is something uh, also that I liked here as I went down to um, the description of who it's for and of course who's going to be who can use this to yeah. create and this is a, i believe what you were talking about right as far as right. the credit services mm -hmm. yeah so so i mean I'll, I'll touch on if we scroll back a little bit up there i'll touch on sort of the, the who it's for thing like i said you know it, it's i'm i'm sure you know nine out of ten uh, business consultants would um would argue that that i should pick one of these audiences and and, and they may very well be right for me Again, as, as I said, I, I really want this to, to, to help people see that the processes, right, and the tools that we use are transferable, right? So the idea that, that we can build something, you know, for a tutor and can build something for a K-12 or a higher ed back, you know, because these are about processes, right? I'm not, you know, like you will inform the content through your prompt engineering, you know, through the prompt engineering that we do, right? And, and, there, and that's how we build the content piece of it. But the process itself, right, is, is what I, I hope that folks will see that. So, you know, you know if you feel really strongly about needing a, 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 an expert in daycare, you know, I, I work for Village Out, but, but I'm not, I've never ran a daycare. But, but I, I would argue that, that I would be so happy if, one, if somebody watching who ran a daycare would reach out to me and, and, and try to, to help them solve some of these problems and build some of these, these systems. You know, I can imagine custom stories for every student every week, you know, like things like that, custom songs, you know, custom poems, you know, every week as a, as a, you know, reward or as a, you know, family, you know, something to do with family or siblings. There's so many things I think that, you know, I'm not the expert in, but the processes and technology I've managed to spend some time, you know, building some competency in, and that's what I'm excited about sharing. So, um, and that's why, you know, when it comes to what we can help with, I mean, you know, it's, it, on the content side of things, it's building, you know, and those automations that we talked about where you're able to just sort of plug stuff in and get stuff out, you know, in a much quicker way than having to go through and Google for stuff. Um, or we're talking about actually building some of these, these tools for learners to use, you know, actually building a grammar helper that's focused on your, your curriculum, your, you know, way of approaching, um, learning. And, and so these are just some of the examples, right, that you're sharing now of some of the types of content that lots of folks are talking about. And there's so many education prompt engineering guides now for, um, you know, for chat GPT that, that can also be used for just the open AI API in general. And so, you know, it's really kind of unlimited when it comes to what, what we can do. And then, you know, one thing as if you scroll down to the past the services a little bit, uh, yeah. So there. So if we stop there, 
on, um, yeah, so on the fine tuned. So one thing I didn't mention was one of the really cool things, and I, I'd love for somebody to be interested who has a context where they have ownership or control over the data that they, that they use for learning and teaching. Um, if, if someone falls into that kind of context, I'd love to help you work on fine tuning some of these models. So Riku um, is, a, is a tool that allows you to very quickly build um, training sets that allow you to, to really guide the, the AI model toward more specific outputs. So if you know exactly what you want and you have 50 examples of it, right? You throw in those 50 examples with the paired sort of like prompt and, it, and, and we can then use this tool to, to create the, um, the file that you would then use to, to, tra to train the fine tune what they got, the AI model, right? And so just the, the power of that, and again, all of these other companies, right, that are building ed tech products, I got, you know, you got to give them credit for doing all of this on their own products, right? There are math tutoring platforms and dueling. I mean, everybody's doing this on, on their ed tech side in terms of fine tuning their models to, to provide what they, and, and building models, building their own models in some cases to provide the output that they need. But it's pretty cool, right, that we can do this, you know, ourselves. And there are legal and ethical issues that will be resolved and, and we can check more, but that we will get there. And, and so knowing that this and being prepared for understanding how this works, I think is, is, you know, I hope that, that a lot of people get as excited as I get about it. No, absolutely. So I thank you so much for extending that offer. And I'm pretty sure, you know, we're definitely going to get people that'll be contacting me or maybe put them in contact with you via your um, information that will be there on the show notes and everything. But I mean, it's just really exciting and I'm just really thankful that we were able to chat tonight and just to hear about the work that you're doing and really just, like you said, it's just that world of automation using AI to, for our benefit and creating. And right now, just the ideas in my head, you know, being an instructional technologist, you know, what are the things that I can do or build to help automate things in such a way that a teacher can go ahead and just you know, go up to a platform, pick what they need and say, hey, here's all these resources that you can use or just something. So right now it's like my creative juices are flowing and I'm just really excited. So thank you so much, Brandon, for sharing your work and your passion, you know, of what you're doing to help educators and again, building uh, or giving more time to that creative component, not only for our teachers, but hopefully that our teachers see that for our students as well, because that's huge. Yeah, we did. I mean... We didn't chat about that, but I mean, the agency piece for learners actually for me, I mean, is as, I mean, we've been talking, we've been telling students to have agency over their learning for decades and not really giving them agency. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, and I, I'm not saying in all cases, but I, I feel generally speaking, we put a lot of demands on learners for agency, um, at least in the context that I've worked in and that I've experienced. And I feel like now it's like, yeah, now they can, now we can tell them when you need to prepare for an exam, you can do this in a way that actually meets your needs the way you expect them to be met, right? There's, there's, there's no gap between your ability to create the resources you need anymore. So we can put more on them now because they can actually create something cool. They're not just going to copy and paste from Google anymore, right? They're, they're actually going to design and create their own work, which, you know, is, is pretty cool too. Oh, that is amazing. That's really exciting. That's definitely going to be a great soundbite there for sure <laughs> after the show. But man, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us this evening. I really appreciate this conversation. And I mean, this could definitely be a part two. So later on, as you continue to grow and, and what we do and maybe what we'll do, actually, hear me out. This is yeah. what we'll do. So because you are extending, you know, the, the, the credits to uh -huh. five listeners, including yeah. myself, what we'll do is maybe once we get that group together, it'll be kind of like a little cohort. Yeah, and then what we can do is have a follow up show. And demonstrate what we've built, talked about these skills, talked about not only how it's helped us, but how it can actually help us in the classroom with our students to help yeah. prepare them. So I think that that would be something that would be amazing. And just again, I know Amanda here says great insight. Thank you. So Amanda, I know, please make sure you reach out to me. I'll make sure and put you in contact too with Brandon. And then that way we can get that going and we can have that follow up show because I can Absolutely. definitely see that. Yeah, that, that would be, that would be amazing. I am, I am down for that for sure. So let's, let's get that, let's get that rolling. And yeah, so send me an email um, and, and let's get started guys. I, thank you so much Fonz for having me. It was, it was a great pleasure 
um, to talk to you. And I look forward to our follow-up when we see what people are working on. Excellent, for sure. But before we go, Brandon, uh, before we, if you are a fan of the show or you have seen the show, and obviously I, I do put it in the calendar invites and say, hey, these are the last three questions that I always love to end the show with. And so question number one, Brandon, would be is, or is in the current state of education, what would you say is your current edu kryptonite? Yeah. So you, you mentioned you added on there, I think in the show, like what makes like weighs heavy on me. Right. Yeah. So, so I would say that, that for me, it's, it's, it's the pace, right. And so the pace and the duration of the moment, you know, the, the uncertainty about how long the moment will last, right. This, this period of transition and the pace of that, right. I, it's very overwhelming, right. It, it's, it's the things that we can see possible in a short period of time are so intense to me that I, I sometimes have to have to remind myself, you know, um, to, to go with the flow a little bit because it, the, the pace is so fast. And there are so many folks who've been thinking about this for a very, very long time. I'm outside of education that aren't even, they're just bringing this to education as a market. Right. So, so, I mean, as educators who may or may not have been thinking about this, I think for me, the pace is, is something that weighs on me a little bit. Excellent. Okay. Great answer. Thank you so much for sharing. All right. Question number two is if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? So kind of an abstract answer, which is that I think they should be like knowledge billboards. Like I think billboards are such an incredible, like there's a reason why companies still pay for a billboard, right? Yeah. I mean, it seems like an antiquated technology, but it's, it's absolutely not in so many ways. Um, because of the way that that type of marketing works and just sort of that passive repetition and because knowledge can work, work and be shared in that way as well. I mean, that's what marketing is in so many cases. So, you know, whether it's a list of, you know, the size of, you know, the geographic size of, of nations around the world or the longest rivers or, or, or whatever you want to throw on there, some, some kind of learning, you know, knowledge, knowledge. Nice. Excellent. All right. And the last question, Brandon, let's say that this was your podcast today. And I was your guest. What would be one question you'd like to ask me? Yeah. So I, I just kind of go, this is a, you know, connects to hopefully I was working together on this, on, on this automation thing, but you know, what would you build? You know, if, if you, you said there were so many ideas, you know, running around in your head right now, thinking about all of this, like if there was one thing that you could build tomorrow, you know, and take into your, your, your teachers or your learners or, or your school sites, you know, what would you build? Are actually, you know, it's funny that you mentioned, well, not funny that you mentioned it, but I'm glad that you mentioned it because today I was working with our content specialist and uh, I assist, uh, you know, with the math, not so much the demonstrating portion, but it's really the the trans translation portion of it. But he does create a lot of content and videos and so on. So what happens is, is, okay, so I have to, he creates these videos and we want to make sure we get them out to the parents because we're having these parent meetings. So in my mind, I'm trying to see how, what other way can we make this as easy as possible and the lowest barrier of entry to get his video library and be able to have a parent say, hey, my student is in third grade at this school and just say, okay. And immediately from that school, it's like, here's the unit, here's what they need. And this is, or this is what you're looking for in that way, rather than going through our website or either, you know, just other barriers. I know that there's tools like, I mean, okay, you can scan the QR code, do this, but if they can just go to that, where they just type in third grade fractions, Mm -hmm. boom, all the resources that he has created will pop up for that specific lesson. Rather than going out to YouTube or yeah. some other maybe Khan Academy, not that there's anything wrong with those, but no. because it'll keep the math consistent right. within our district. So that right there is what I'm thinking about right that's now. That's a great and that's a great use case for, you know, one of the other AI technologies that has over the last number of years become so much more accessible um, is is the chatbot builders. So, you know, that sounds like a great I mean, there are there are chatbot, you know. We can talk about that maybe as an organ, but, you know, where a, a parent can just, you know, we, you can set it where they can type in just like you said, or, or more natural language or both, 
you know, and be able to just get that content be presented. I mean, there are a few ways we can go about that, but yeah, I, I that's awesome. That's so, yeah. that would be awesome. I mean, that's, that's what we need, right? That, yeah. And it's crazy. It's crazy. We put so many barriers. I mean, this one last thing, I mean, like we didn't talk about, I've talked about like accelerating education and bringing all this technology, but I don't often talk a lot about like the why, because I guess for me, it's, it's obvious and I forget how, you know, how important it is to, to talk about it, but like breaking down barriers for, for access to knowledge and access to experience, not just knowledge, because knowledge is one thing that academic paywalls are a problem, but it's the access to the experience, right? That opportunity to engage, I mean, with something and learn through a, you know, engagement with something, you know, breaking down that barrier is, you know, what we need to be like, that's what we're doing. That's what we should be doing. That's what we need. Right. Absolutely. I am with you 100%, Brandon. And thank you so much because it's educators like yourself, the, the, the vision that you have that sometimes, you know, it's 10x and people are like, oh, no, that's way too far. But that's what we need. We need, you know, people out there that have these great ideas and putting them out there and showing what they can do. And also because it helps encourage us that we're looking for people that are at that pace and, you know, like minded folks that I was like, oh, they get it. They understand what we're trying to do. So it's great. And that's what I love about doing this podcast and making those connections, you know, connecting educators, practitioners, creators, all one show at a time. So thank you, Brandon, so much for being here this evening. And we're definitely going to be setting up that second show when we do a follow through, kind of like showing off our, our creations and what mm -hmm. we're able to do and our experiences. That would definitely be a great show there. So thank you, as always. And again, to all our listeners, uh, followers, watchers, thank you so much for all the likes, subscribes, and follows. I really appreciate you making my EdTech life what it is today. And we do what we do for you and for these moments of connecting educators, creators, practitioners, one show at a time. So thank you for your support. Please make sure that you visit our website at myedtech.life, myedtech.life, where you can check out this episode and the other 172 amazing episodes with educators, creators, practitioners that you can learn from. Take those little nuggets of knowledge, sprinkle them on to what you are already doing great. And if you'd love to support our mission, please make sure you go to our website and there is a tab there that says Become Awesome. You can go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or just buy us a cup of coffee just to keep the creativity flowing. We definitely appreciate that. And we also have some great merch that you can go ahead and buy. We know conference season is around the, or is here already. So if you're looking for some comfy sweaters, some comfy threads, and you want to support our show, feel free to stop by our store. We really appreciate it as all of it goes back to this show to continue doing the work that we do in opening up this platform to amazing educators, edupreneurs or entrepreneurs too, like Brandon, who bring their passion and excite us and to make those changes in the education landscape. So thank you so much. And my friends, as always, until next time, don't forget, stay techie.